0: You can score with the Jim Allen Group at the JAGAdvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome to the WRAL Daily Download. I'm your host, Allie Ingersoll. Today we'll be talking with WRAL's NC Capital Bureau Chief, Laura Leslie. About seven weeks ago, North Carolina's Medicaid expansion program rolled out. Thousands of people have signed up since then, and Laura had a chance to sit down and talk with the state's Secretary for Health and Human Services, Cody Kinsley, discuss how that's doing. Now, Laura, you're here to talk about it with us, so thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, So what do we know numbers-wise about how Medicaid expansion is going during these first few weeks?
1: It appears to be going really well. Um, And part of that is because of uh, technology and good preparation. You might remember that during the public health emergency under COVID, a lot of people were on Medicaid that maybe would not have had it otherwise. Well, they already had a lot of those people in the system. So when they rolled off the rolls for Medicaid, they were able to put them back on pretty quickly under expansion. So that gave them like a big head start for enrollment. So about 270 or so thousand people. But at this point there are up to 314,000 that was as of uh, the middle of January. So they've added 41,000 people that were not in the system at all, um, over the last few weeks. So, I mean, it's one of the fastest Medicaid rollouts. According to secretary Cody Kinsley, it's one of the fastest Medicaid rollouts in the country.
0: Wow. That is a lot of people. Um, Yep. So what kind of care are people looking for?
1: Well, so far, um, you know, it seems, you know, looking at seven weeks of data, so not a ton. Right. Mm -hmm. But but um, what they're seeing a lot of right now are number one prescriptions. And these are prescriptions for things like um, heart conditions, blood problems, asthma, you know, things that are real sort of life threatening issues, you know, that people manage, you can manage pretty easily with medication. And you don't know whether these people have maybe not been able to take it or have been having to pay for it out of pocket. But at any rate, they've seen 150,000 prescriptions filled just in that new enrollment population. Uh, There's also a a lot of demand for dental care, Um, you might not realize but Medicaid also covers comprehensive dental care as well as medical. And um, they've seen about $2 million in claims from that new population just in the last six or seven weeks.
0: Wow. Yeah, I think the medication thing is really interesting because, like, the question you brought up, what have people been doing otherwise?
1: Yeah, I think that depends on the person. Some, you know, some people, to, you know, they pick between food and, 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 and prescriptions, yeah. you know, so, yeah.
0: Definitely. Um, So when you talked with Cody Kinsley, the state secretary of health and human services, was he surprised about any of these numbers or anything that we're hearing?
1: He was not because they had already figured out that they could use their system to already sort of automatically enroll the chunk of people. Um, I think he's pretty pleased with the 41,000 already, though. I mean, especially over the holidays, that's pretty good Um, because you think about how many days off the state had, you know, (laughs) that (laughs) amount of time. Um, Sure. But um, yeah, so he was um, he was he was pleased to see those numbers and pleased to see that people are quickly getting care, not just coverage. So people are already turning around and using it, which is what they really want to see.
0: Yeah. And I guess that goes to say more about how necessary this was in the state if people are getting this immediately and then going out, getting prescriptions filled, going to a dentist, something like that. Right.
1: Right away. You know, yeah. right away. There's obviously care that they've been putting off or, or having to find other ways to pay for.
0: Yeah, definitely. This was a story that was only on WRAL. So props to you for getting this opportunity, sitting down with uh, Secretary Kinsley. You're the only journalist who did that for this one on one. Why exactly did you want to have this opportunity to sit down with him and check in with him about the expansion?
1: Well, I mean, we've been talking about this for 10 years, right? <laughs> I mean, and so we finally had it happen and we had it happen December 1st, you know, and there have been a lot of coverage about it. But, you know, the question is always, especially when it comes to a large government bureaucracy, how quickly can it really get things up and running? You know, and in the past, you know, we have seen DHHS have some stumbles over some of it, for example, like new software systems and things like that. In this case, that does not seem to have happened. Um, I also wanted to know, like, you know, how, what are people using and where are those people? And that's one of the things I think is really important. Um, there's a new dashboard that, they, that DHHS has put up to show you how Medicaid expansion is going. And you can just find it on the DHHS website. But it shows you where people are signing up. Um, and you would not have really amazing impacts already in some of the state's poorest counties. For example, in Robson County, mm-hmm. 11.9% of the total adult population of that county is now eligible under expansion. Wow. That's and, you know, we're talking 10.9. And these are people who are already added to the roles. There may be more eligible people out there, you know, but these are counties where, you know, wages are low. A lot of jobs don't offer health care, at least not affordable health insurance, you know. And so these are people who would not have qualified under the old threshold, but who do qualify under that new threshold. And they are getting signed up for sure.
0: And it's amazing that they put this dashboard up there so you or I or really anyone can go and look at this and understand how people are being affected by this.
1: Exactly. And and where it's making a big difference. You know, I think, you know, they, they it, I mean, for the get go, Kinsley had said that this was going to have the biggest impact in rural areas. But I think a lot of people didn't necessarily believe that because rural, the rural areas only account for about 25% of our state's population, right? Mm-hmm. But it has an outsized impact there just because of the fact that, you know, that, that, we have such a, a difference in wealth between the rural areas and the rural uh, urban and rural areas.
0: Yeah, definitely. Was there anything else that Secretary Kinsley said that about expansion that you found interesting or that you wanted to share with us?
1: I think um, that one of the big challenges, he says, that they're facing um, is, well, a couple of them are reimbursement rates. Um, number one, you know, the dental re- reimbursement rate and the primary care reimbursement rate simply aren't really covering what it costs providers to provide those services, right? So, I mean, that's sort of a disincentive for a provider to make room for a Medicaid patient, you know, in their roster. Um, what they want to try to do is to try to raise those rates to make them more competitive so that there's a good reason for doctors to take those patients now. Mm. Um, that's something that we saw them do with behavioral health this past year, and it has made a difference in terms of getting more capacity into the system. Um, another thing thing he said is kind of a problem is, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, are we going to see bottlenecks with providers, right? Because you dump a whole bunch of people into the system, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you've all got to find somewhere to go to the doctor. Well, you know, he hasn't seen it yet, although he says that, that may come down the road. But what he's really concerned about is recruiting and retaining The workforce, not just doctors and nurses, but things like, for example, direct care workers, right? Those are the workers that come into your house and take care of your grandma, you know, Mm -hmm. or that go into facilities and take care of the disabled and the elderly. You know, right now, those workers can make more money at Bojangles than they make doing hard physical labor, Mm -hmm. you know, that they do. And so you said, you know, that has to change if we're really going to be able to sustain the kind of direct care health, direct care workforce that we're going to need under Medicaid expansion.
0: That's really interesting, something I didn't even think of about this expansion. So we're going to take a break, and we'll come back. Your heart, it's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more. At WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice.
1: Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C cell tumors. Do not use GLP 1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
0: If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome back. So, Laura, let's rewind just a little bit. We're talking about Medicaid expansion now and how thousands of people have been impacted by the rollout. But can you talk about why this is a story for us here in North Carolina in 2024 when, as you mentioned, we've been talking about this for a decade, right? So we are far beyond or far behind other states. So what exactly is the story?
1: Well, we are about the 10th last state to do this. And I was I still remember I was covering this place when when it became available. Um, A lot of states jumped right on it. Um, But North Carolina, which was under sort of newish Republican leadership at the time, said that they were concerned that what would happen is that the federal government would pull the plug on this program. And then they would end up having to foot the entire cost of it, because right now the federal government covers 90 percent of the cost. Hmm. So, I mean, this is millions of dollars flowing into billions, actually, annually flowing into the state in federal funds, right? So um, they were concerned it was going to be cut off, they said, and they didn't know what it was going to do to the budget. And so they, they waited and watched and waited and watched. Well, in the meantime, you saw a red state after a red state after red state. After red state. Expanding Medicaid because fiscally it is responsible. It brings in a whole bunch of federal money and helps to shore up your hospital system and your healthcare system. You know, if you get a whole bunch of people out there who are uninsured, then those hospitals and healthcare clinics have to eat that expense. And that's why you end up with closing hospitals in rural areas. Mm. So, you know, they started to see this. And I think they started to get more pressure over the years from rural lawmakers who saw this as a real problem in their own communities. And started to sort of say, well, you know, maybe we should look at this. So they kind of they danced around it for a few years. But then finally, what really kind of changed it is that um, back, I think it was 2022, I believe, or maybe it was early 2023, um, Senate Leader Phil Berger, who had been adamantly opposed to Medicaid expansion for low these many years, suddenly just had an epiphany. And decided he was in favor of it. And that's pretty much all it took to make it happen. Now, it was it was the topic of some serious political uh, maneuvering last year because the lawmakers basically made expansion contingent on the budget to allow them to get things into the budget that otherwise the governor probably would not have agreed with. But the governor was happy to agree with it to get Medicaid expansion. <laughs> so that's that's how we ended up here.
0: Okay. And since we are one of these last states, we have census data that looks at how many people were lacking coverage. It's about 9% of the state's population reported that they didn't have health care coverage during the last uh, community survey, which is a good amount of people here for our state. So a lot of people then that means... They don't really they have insurance, so they don't really understand what happens if you don't. So can you just kind of touch on what it means if someone doesn't have insurance and why this expansion is so critical to so many people?
1: Sure. And I you know to preface this, um, you know, you say nine percent of the state's population didn't have health care coverage. That's actually a big improvement over like 2010. Because mm-hmm. it used to be more like 13, 14. So I'm guessing a lot of these folks either have gotten jobs that have insurance or they've been able to get coverage on um, the ACA website, the marketplace, right, Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the problem with Obamacare, well, it's not a problem, but Obamacare was designed it, it anticipating that states were going to expand Medicaid.
0: Mm. So
1: it had – so basically you had to make a certain amount of money to to qualify for – uh, for assistance, because they assumed that if you made less than that, you were already going to be covered, right? Because your state was going to expand Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of states didn't expand Medicaid. So you had what was called the gap. So you had people who were making just too much to qualify for Medicaid and not quite enough to qualify for help. So they would have to pay full price for Obamacare. So that left them in in, in a hole, because these are the, exactly the people who could not afford to pay full price for this stuff, Right you know and that's really important when it comes to i mean obviously personal health but also the state's fiscal health because you think about you know i mean you take health take high blood pressure medication right i mean that's that's like a buck you know for a month maybe um but you have somebody come into the er with a stroke and no insurance that is a huge amount of money mm, yeah right and those and, and it's that that is really the difference that preventive care Um, The ability to catch things early to, for example, to manage diabetes rather than have somebody have an amputation and have to go into assisted care. You know, I mean, it really, you know, it really allows the state to 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 reduce what it's going to have to spend down the road on some of these acute medical conditions by helping them to manage them better out front.
0: Yeah. And like you were saying earlier, like for some people, sometimes they have to make that choice if they're going to get medical care or if they're going to get food, if they're going to get medical care or pay
1: their rent. Right. I interviewed a guy one time who told me he was having to pay 500 bucks out of pocket for his prescriptions for his heart. And he was wow. only making $1,200 a month on disability. Wow. You know, I mean, that's a huge chunk, you know, and he is one of the folks who is now covered. So he can now get these for like two bucks.
0: That's yeah. that And that's making all the difference in his life, I'm sure. Yeah. And so there were obviously a lot of political challenges to get this implemented. You kind of talked about this earlier, that we were pretty well set up for this. But have we heard of any issues with this rollout or any roadblocks people are facing?
1: So far, no. I mean, it appears to be going really smoothly. Um, You know, one thing that um, Secretary Kinsley mentioned is that, you know, there are probably people that we know there's people out there who applied in the past and who were told they were not eligible and who might not might not understand that the eligibility criteria have changed. Hmm. so they're trying very hard to reach those people and you know those those people can be the hardest ones to reach and he pointed out you know if you're taking care of kids you're taking care of your aging parents and maybe you've got two jobs and your car just quit working i mean the last thing you have time to do is worry about medicaid expansion right (laughs) that's not at the top of your list today um but they really do want to get the word out so they're working with um for example faith leaders right in churches or community groups that you know people might be connected to otherwise to try to get word out from what they call trusted leaders mm-hmm. you know people who have credibility in their community to let people know that they should go and try to do this and get signed up um, one other thing i think is, pr- is pretty cool this is a great idea is that they now have the hospitals set up so if you end up in there with an acute issue let's say and you are not covered they are going to find out if you're covered and if you're not and if you're eligible they will help you apply oh. because it is in the hospital's interest for you to be covered because they get reimbursed and it's in your interest as well So, you know, they are really trying to pull out all the stops in terms of making sure that at the point where people need the care is the point where they're checking to see whether or not you'd be eligible.
0: Yeah, that sounds really proactive that they're doing this. Um, And I think the faith leaders, we saw a lot of success with that during COVID. So it's interesting that this is coming after COVID because they probably learned this during the pandemic. So, moving forward, what can we expect? How many more people might sign up,
1: or what will healthcare look like across the state? Well, it's probably going to be—you know—there may be some difficulties getting into providers for a little bit because you got about a million people <laughs> who didn't have coverage, you know, who may now have some coverage, and um, those folks are going to need to find providers, and it's going to take a little bit of time for the market to balance itself out, right? Because if you've got if you've got nobody who can pay for healthcare services in a county, then you're not going to have providers for that you know mm-hmm. um but otherwise they estimated that as many as 600 to 650,000 people might be eligible it looks like they have captured about not quite half of that yet so um so you can expect that this will continue to go on there's going to be a paid media campaign coming up i expect um, to try to get the word out to folks and get people signed up, you know. And again, I mean, this is this is for people's best, you know, for their benefit, but it's also for the benefit of the healthcare system because it means money that comes in to reimburse that can be used for to pay nurses, uh, to pay for tests, you know, to to lower rates for other people. So, um, so they they really are really trying to get this done.
0: Well, thank you so much, Laura, for talking with us today and sharing all of this. And thank you for listening to the WRAL Daily Download. If you've listened to this podcast on WRAL.com or the WRAL News app, you can also find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Follow the show so you don't miss another episode. Thanks for listening.